Welcome to our second week of this three-week series that we are doing on unity. Um, I think in this time of our world, in the time of our church life, um, we need to be unified more than ever. Um, as a body of believers, as believers, as we continue to do the work of God here at our church, uh, in our homes, at work, wherever we go, uh, but then have an impact on our world as well. So being unified is, is key to that. And last week we talked about being having unity and humility. Today we're going to be talking about having unity and obedience. Next week will be uh, unity and our witness. And so in Philippians chapter 2, and go ahead and, and be ready with that. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be looking in the, these three weeks at verses 1 through 16, of what it looks like to be unified as a body of believers and as we have an impact on our world. And unity is important. And Paul, in that second verse of chapter 2, says that we need to be of same the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord. And so it's, it's vital to that. It, his joy was made complete for the church in Philippi to be united. And we have that same message today. So unity is important to the church. There's so many more things you can do when you have other people involved. Okay? Two years ago, we got to go as a church to Vieques, Puerto Rico, uh, to do some work there. There was damage to a church uh, from Hurricane Maria. And so we there were 10 of us that went. Uh, five adults and five students, and we got to go over and be part of some of the repair work to the church building. We got to be a part of their worship services uh, on that Sunday, and then we had a lot of work to do uh, for this building. And, and they had a two-story section of the building that the whole roof and part of the wall was torn off from the hurricane. And so there was some cleanup, there was some construction so imagine, and I think it was mainly the, the, the students that were a part of this, they hand-formed rebar for a column of concrete to be on the outside of the, of the walls. Um, it's a lot of work. It was kind of cool to see that, uh, that working together. Uh, and so we couldn't have done that if it was just one of us uh, to, to attempt that, that feat. Cool thing was there was another church there too of about, of about three or four guys. So not only were we united as a group from our church, we were united with this other church that came and the home church that, that we stayed. We stayed on campus there. They did have shower facilities and all of that. It was a great time. But here's the, here's the moment that I thought there is no way one of us could have done this. And that was an afternoon. They had planned, I think, for two days for us to do this, because here's what we had to do. We were on the, the ground floor, off the, the street, with a sidewalk. They had dump trucks coming and dropping 500 pounds of, of stone, like pebbles, and 500 pounds of sand. You remember this, Joel? Um, so we had to get the piles of rock and the piles of sand up a flight of stairs, and then into this area, the second floor area for uh, where the damage was done on the church. Because it was going to create, oh, they were going to mix to make cement once the rebar was done. So here we are, five high schoolers and five adults, 
Um, I won't call out who. I mean, I, I let you know you all was, but I'm like, this is gonna, this might take us a long time. And that's what the contractor was like, you know, look, don't overheat. Cause by the way, it's all outside. We're in the sun. Puerto Rico is hot. But man, trade winds are amazing. I don't know if you've been in that part of the world. These trade winds that come in through the afternoon cool you off just enough for a little break. Um, but I have to tell you, that we knocked that out, I think, probably by afternoon, in one day. Um, transporting all of that, we had this whole bucket brigade kind of system going, because, I mean, these are heavy, and the buckets weren't very big. But when you're trying to do one or two, it was a lot of work. Um, and so to have that knocked out in no time, no complaining, no grumbling, everyone's working side by side, it was an amazing time. And we have a similar work. It may not be the manual labor here at church, but we have a lot of work to do that we've got to do together, that we've got to do unified, that we've got to, to be together, coordinating, communicating, loving each other, encouraging one another, and talk about encouragement. Um, the cool thing was there wasn't much complaining, and so the encouragement was all of us continue to go. Um, but we have an amazing opportunity as a church to continue in this time that we're going through uh, to be united completely. So read with me Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. And last week we looked at verse 3 4, where Paul kind of lays out a plan for us to be united in humility. Now he gives us the example of Christ and his humility and his obedience. So reading Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so here is a, an, a picture of not only Jesus' humility, but his obedience. Um, he was obedient to the will of the Father, knowing that he had to come um, and chose to come uh, to live among us and being obedient to the point of death. And numerous times throughout Scripture, Jesus says that I came to do the Father's will. So we're looking at Jesus' obedience in his humility. And as we are to have the mind of Jesus, we as a church need to learn through this obedience and this humility. And are we truly ready to be obedient? And I say we because Paul is still talking to the church as a whole of what we what it looks like for us to be united. And verses 6 through 11 give a beautiful picture of, of Christ, uh, the theology of Christ, his purpose, how he came. So let's dig in, um, and we'll start with verse 6 again. And let me read that to you. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here is a picture, 
and showing with even just the words he was the pre-existence of Christ. Okay, he existed before he came to earth as a child, born of Mary, and his divine nature of God, that the form of God. And Jesus continues to be the very nature of God. When he came, and this passage isn't talking about that he came to just take on, you know, this different form and gave up his, his divine nature. In fact, the word in Greek, morphe, doesn't talk about some external experience or, or image. It is, he kept his true, the true attributes of who Christ was. He came to be man. Um, and then Paul, even using in verse 7, uses morphe again of this word of not just, you know, some skin of a man, but the true essence and, and attributes of a man. So here we have a picture of Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man. Uh, that he, he came and, and in his ministry and service to us, and his obedience to God the Father came and lived among us in human flesh. He could have had the privilege, he could have had the power, all of his divine power, to come in as a king to rule the world, but he didn't. He came humbly. He came as a servant. And he didn't give up his divine nature. He still had his divine nature, but he came in and fully took the attributes of a human. A good example of this and a good picture of this is Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. I don't know if you've read that, but here is the story of a prince and this poor uh, young man. They were born about the same time and they looked very similar and they ended up meeting and exchanging information and, and realizing, you know what, let's swap. You know, what does it look like for the prince to live like the normal common people, uh, and for this, this other guy to be experience, you know, the life in the castle. And so here was an opportunity for them to switch. Now, did the prince stop being a prince? No, he still was a prince, but he lived as a pauper, experienced the world. He got arrested. He had to deal with the father who was a drunk and abusive. Uh, he experienced a world, but yet still had his kingly power, the, the power of a prince, to live that out. And so here's a picture of Jesus who was still fully God and came to be fully man as a, as a servant. Uh, and so let's continue with verse 7. Verse 7 says, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being emptied again, I, we just talked about not, he didn't empty himself of his divinity, of his deity. He was still fully God. He added that part of, of being a man. And as a servant, that he willingly left the splendor of heaven for a simple life on earth. He left the perfection and holiness of heaven for imperfect and sinful man. What a transition that is and what a sacrifice that Christ made in this um, being incarnate, becoming and, and, and being among us and living among us. He did it to be obedient to the Father's will, absolutely, but he also did it out of love because how much he loved us and how much the Father loved us and knew that he had to do that for us. This is the heart of what it means to follow Christ, uh, that we are to 
lose our life to save it? Are we willing to be that obedient, that humble to serve others so that then we receive life and that we have uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with what God is doing? Let me read verse 8 now as we continue to, to go through this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself, himself. He wasn't forced. No one made him make that decision. He did it voluntarily. And having the mind of Christ, are we willing to humble ourselves voluntarily? We talked about that last week. Are we truly voluntarily being humble and and coming to others, serving each other in humility? Um, Are we being, are we willing to volunteer that and to choose that? And then the cross. So it wasn't that Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Paul mentions the death of, by, in, on the cross. And at that time, the cross was the lowest form of execution. Um, it was not reserved, it was reserved for the lowest of class. So Christ Jesus not only came, and he could have come and with more power, he came as a servant. He came at the lowest point of what he could have as a man. Um, that example of Christ servant and, and willingness to obey the Father's will going to the lowest point is an amazing picture. Jesus showed, Jesus showed the greatest of all humility and obedience for our sake and for God's will. And are we willing to be that obedient to God at whatever the cost and humble ourselves for the sake of others? Now it's getting serious. Last week I stepped on a few toes this week, it's stomping on some feet, I think, including my own. You know, are we willing to go to the point of full sacrifice in our humble um, servant and, and service attitude to others and our obedience to God? Or do we have selective obedience? I think I have a little bit of selective obedience. Um, I'll, I'll obey if I get rewarded. You know, God, tell me to do this. If I get a treat after, right? Is that easier to obey knowing that you might get something out of it afterwards? But that's not that kind of obe- obedience. It is being willing to do it regardless. Um, there is a trend on social media right now. I think it's called the toddler challenge. Have you guys seen that? So you put it, I don't know. It's been forever since my boys were that little. 12 months, 18 months, 2 years old. You sit them down at the table you put some treat in front of them, whether it be Cheerios or ice cream, something, and you tell them, and now you're filming them this whole time, you're telling them don't eat and have any of this until I get back. Then you leave the room for, I don't know, 30 seconds, um, and you while you're filming, you see if that toddler is going to reach out and grab the treat that's right in front of them, or are they going to obey mom or dad? That would be insane. I don't think I could do that now. Um, but here's this picture of, are we being, are we, do we have selective obedience? Is it, I will obey you, God, when it's easy. I will obey you, God, when I know I'm going to get some special blessing out of it. Or are we truly obedient to the will of God? Are we truly humble in serving each other without expecting anything back? Now it's getting crazy serious. Christ's example is that he went to the point of death 
that he not only didn't get anything back, well, he will, he did get some stuff back. We'll look at that in a second. But he was willing to give all and give it all away for us. Um, are we willing to do that in our relationships? Speaking of the after effect of Christ's death, let's continue on and let's read verses 9 through 11. Verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here is Jesus being obedient, and because of his humbled, he humbled himself, was willing to pay the price he will be exalted, and the Father has given him a name which will be above every name, where every knee shall bow, and that is Lord, uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord. The angels, the demons, the living, the dead, the saved, the the unsaved will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There are going to be some that are going to confess him as Lord with great joy. There's going to be others who don't know him that are going to confess Jesus as Lord, um, being very distraught and being in a, a place of complete emptiness. And some, as we look at this, is this picture of salvation, uh, that because of God's holiness, so, so why did Jesus do all of this? Why was this even needed? It is because of the holiness of God, uh, that with the holiness of God, there can be no sin, there can be no transgressions against him. And so the only way that man who is sinful to, to gain access to God the Father in his holiness was by a sacrifice. It took a blood sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven, enough for us to enter into an, an eternal relationship with God the Father. And there is no one that could have done that except Jesus Christ. Because he was fully God and fully man. Um, in that state, with his perfection where he never sinned, he was able to be that blood sacrifice for us. And with that blood sacrifice on the cross allowed us direct access to God the Father in his holiness. And so we have become righteous. We have become covered by the shed blood of Christ our sins are forgiven and we have direct access to God the Father. And as we have that, I pray, I pray, I pray that we continue to speak this truth and be and share this light. Um, I pray that if there's someone here or at home who does not know for sure that they have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, whose sins have, or blood has covered our sins, that you please talk to someone about accepting Christ. And realizing that that is the only way that we have access and can be reconciled because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So at the name of Jesus, we bow down in love, adoration, thankfulness, and obedience. Um, here's the amazing thing. We get to be a part of all of this. It wasn't just Jesus' picture and his sacrifice on the cross. That's all it took for us to experience this relationship with God. And Christ was exalted. Christ was given the name above all names and that every knee should bow and confess that he is Lord. And because we have accepted him as our Lord, 
we get to spend eternity in heaven. And Matthew 23, 11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. I hope this picture is it be, is becoming more clear of what that looks like. As we put ourselves last and others first, we are honoring God and giving God the glory that he deserves because of that. And God was glorified in the sacrifice and obedience of Jesus Christ. So as we accept that, as we become Christians and we live that life out and serve others, we are glorifying God and all of that. What an amazing picture and example that Christ gave uh, for us. And what, man, to, to match that, there is nothing, there is no person that I've ever known, there is no person that any of you will ever know that has served and humbled themselves as as amazing as Christ has. And so to have that goal and that marker ahead of us to 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 shoot for and to try to attain, we will never get there. Which, by the way, is an amazing thing. I never want to get to the max level of Christianity and my faith. There's always something more to to attain to and to strive for and to pursue. Um, we talk about pursuing Christ in all things, giving God the glory in all things. We can never stop doing that because we will never be done until we are in heaven uh, with God the Father, with Christ seated at the right hand. So we, what an amazing journey that we have in faith. And I want to kind of end this time with two observations um, from this passage. And one is the name above every name, Lord. And this isn't just the top name, you know, on a list. Here's a list of everyone that ever existed. Jesus Christ, Lord, is at the top. That doesn't mean the name above all names. It's in his power. Um, it is him being Lord, him being God. And in our salvation, there is no other name than Jesus. Jesus, the name of Jesus, he, he is the only way that we can get into heaven. He is the only way that we have access to God the Father. So there's power in the name of Jesus. And it's more than just our salvation. Because God doesn't call us to be saved and then we just live our life out. God calls us to be saved and then to live in glory to him. So read with me Colossians 3 verse 17. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's not only our salvation, it's everything that we do, everything that we say, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I thought about that. I'm like, okay, the name of Jesus, how does that apply to my, to my own life? So my marriage, my marriage between Carrie and myself, is it up to Carrie or myself for the success of our marriage? No, it's Jesus. In my health, is it Dr. So-and-so or this surgeon, what's his name, that is in control of my health? Or is it Jesus? It's Jesus. In the ministry of our church, is it Pastor Randy? Is it Pastor Wayne who keeps the health and, and, and service of our church 
at a strong level healthy? No, it's Jesus. In this pandemic, is it some scientist or government entity that will get us through this? No, it's who? What? Seriously? Y'all did a lot better than with John. Who is it? Jesus. In our current racial unrest, is it some elected official or is it some social justice leader who will bring us together? No, it's who? Jesus. Yes, any situation. Any situation. It doesn't matter any relationship. It doesn't matter that you feel you're the only one dealing with some situation. The answer will always be Jesus. Now, here's the beauty of it. It's not just us sitting back, being armchair Christians and letting Jesus do all the work. No, we have a lot of work to do. Okay, I can't sit back in my marriage with Carrie and say, all right, Carrie, let's sit back, enjoy lemonade while while Jesus, you know, strengthens our marriage. No, it takes a lot of work with us. Um, In all of those situations, in our health, in the ministry of our church, that's why we're talking about this series. It takes a lot of work from us to be humble, to serve one another. Any situation in this world, we've got to be at work in the power and the name of Jesus. What an awesome, awesome thing. That in light of what we have looked at, the the unity and humility and obedience, we do so in the mind of Christ. So at the name of Jesus we have access to, and then the mind of Christ. Now the mind of Christ, and, and this is my last point I want to hit. That's taken on a lot, like to think like Christ thinks. Alright? I mean, now we're really digging in. What does this look like for us to have the mind of Christ? Now I'm going to give you a lot of verses right now, and I will even post them up on social media later today. Um, you can write them down or I can give them to you after. But I thought about this, the mind of Christ. If our mind and our brain controls the functions of our body, then what does it look like? What does it look like to see others like Christ? What does it look like to speak to others like Christ? So let's look at the eyes. First Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How many times have we judged a book by its cover? How many times have we seen someone and thought, Oh, I'm avoiding them. You know, and not truly understanding the heart of who that person is uh, without prejudice. Uh, we talk about teaching the ideal. You know, we are going to proclaim Jesus Christ from this pulpit every single week, every single day that we are, exist as a church. But there is a real life. There are situations, there's cultural influences that are going on that we have to have this love of God and look and, and, and see people for who they are and see people for who Christ sees. Um, this is why we are not going to tolerate racism in this church. We are not to look at just the, the color of the skin. It is looking at the heart. Um, and so this is a safe place. I hope you know that, that this is a safe place for all. It is not for us to judge. It is how Christ looks. And if we have the mind of Christ as a church, that we will continue to see others the way that Jesus sees. Are we going to be successful at that? Not always. But we will always pursue that. 
What about the ears? What does it mean to listen like God? James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to listen is not a gift of mine, by the way. Um, but we need to listen more. We need to stop, pause, take account of what the situation is, and take time to listen. To learn from more from each other so that we know how to minister better to each other. Um, what about the mouth? How are we to speak? Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's be more encouraging to each other. Okay? One of my favorite quotes from Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan is, Be excellent to each other. Okay? Bill and Ted, always... But truly, be excellent to each other. What does that mean? To put others first, to to put their needs above our needs, to love them in the name of Jesus. By the way, this includes social media. It is, it's frustrating to be on social media, especially in this time. Are we glorifying God in our posts that we present? Are we encouraging brothers and sisters? Are we encouraging those who are on our friends list with our posts. What is our mouth saying if our pursuit of the heart is Christ Jesus? And then the hands and feet, and we'll close with this. The hands and feet. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, There will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And then Isaiah 52.7 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The hands and feet to serve others. And we will always be a church that the hands and feet of Jesus, uh, that we continue to reach out, that we continue to do missions, that we continue to look for ways to to minister and witness to those in our community, those within our church family who are in need, uh, those meeting the physical need and the spiritual need. By the way, that's what we're leading into for next week, uh, to be lights of the world. But as we look today about what it means for us to be united in our humility, which is where it starts, and then we are to be obedient, as Christ was obedient to the, to the will of the Father, as we are to be obedient to the will of the Father and pursuing Christ in all things, that we continue to be a church and a body of believers that are pursuing all these things and glorifying God in all that we do and how we minister to one another, that we do this in unity, that we unify because of Christ and his work, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, as we glorify the Father that we do things in unity and love each other, love our community, and continue to be the light in this dark world. If you please pray with me as we close in this time, um, and then we will do our our closing song. Father, I thank you for this morning, uh, that we are reminded of the amazing, the the sacrifice of Christ, and, and to understand that a little bit more, 
uh, that he didn't just show up and take care of business and, and go on, but he made the ultimate sacrifice, lowered himself to the lowest of lows uh, in humanity, and then for him to take on the cross, to shed his shed blood that, that conquered uh, our sins and washed our sins away and then rose again. Father, to be not only exalted, but to conquer sin and death, that we would have eternity with you. And Father, you didn't just leave us with that, uh, that we are to pursue you in all things, to do your will. Father, as we are united as a church, I pray that we continue to run after you and continue to seek after you hand in hand, side by side, running strong and at full force. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.